0: Our reading for today comes from the book of James, chapter 4, verses 13 through 17. Listen now to the word of the Lord. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? The Lord be with you. And also with you. Welcome to our last worship service of 2020, as well as the first worship service of 2021. Uh, I want to thank all the children for staying up so late to be here tonight. It's great that you end the year uh, in worship, as well as begin the new year in worship. Please pray with me. Gracious God, we are thankful uh, for today, for this evening and the opportunity that we have to close out the year in worship together. Be with us, speak to us. Speak your words of comfort, of challenge, and strengthen us in the hearing to obey. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Charles Dickens' classic novel A Tale of Two Cities, begins with these often quoted words. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epoch of belief. It was the epoch of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair we had everything before us, we had nothing before us. In other words, it was a time like the present time and like every other time. 2020 has been both an unforgettable year, a living through a pandemic which we will talk about for the rest of our lives. And at the same time, it was a very forgettable year as pajama days blended into one another and so many of the memories that we might've made got lost in our virtual reality. As many of you have shared over these nine months, the lockdown has been both a struggle and a blessing. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. We learned together. And as we heard from Ecclesiastes, there is a time to refrain from embracing as was the case for most of 2020, but we are also assured that there will be a time to embrace once again. As you probably know, the new Wonder Woman movie recently came out and I had a chance to see it with some, people, some friends. In the opening scene, after a thrilling race through an obstacle course worthy of an American Ninja Warrior finale, a young Diana Prince is told something that she does not want to hear. And as Diana starts to argue back, General Antiope, Diana's aunt, tells her over her protests, that is the truth. That is the only truth, and truth is all there is. Now, the unfortunate truth is that the movie is pretty terrible. But the statement about truth is a needful reminder for us. The other day I was buying some wiper blades and I happened to be in a room where they were showing Joe Biden getting the coronavirus vaccine on live TV. And I overheard one of the employees say, I bet it's not even the vaccine, it's probably just saline. I heard a lot of people are dying from the vaccine and there's no way he's taking it. No one question his remarks. With a relativistic cultural mindset, with skepticism as our default position, and with all the dizzying misinformation, half-truths, mere opinions, and outright lies posing as truth these days, it's hard to know what the truth really is or even to make a truth claim. No wonder we shy away from hard and uncomfortable truths. But the truth is the truth. And it matters that we build our lives and our life together upon the truth. Just as you wouldn't trust a bridge built on mathematical and engineering lies, you don't want to build your life around spiritual falsehoods and wishful thinking. Whatever is built on falsehood will eventually crumble, though it may take many years and perhaps many centuries and in the meanwhile cause immeasurable and unnecessary suffering and misery. So as we close out the year and look ahead to an uncertain 2021, let's consider two timeless truths from our scripture reading and see how we might live in light of those truths. The first truth that James states and that 2020 has made abundantly clear is that you do not know what tomorrow will bring. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. You don't, and I don't. None of us at this time last year expected 2020 to turn out the way it did. The truth is that life is uncertain. We can hope that tomorrow and next year will be better or turn out in a better way, but we simply don't know. I'm sure all of you have had things happen this past year that you did not predict, anticipate, or even think possible. You did not know that this year you'd be worried about a shortage of toilet paper. You did not know that you would have so much extra time with your kids perhaps a little too much. You did not know that you would have to juggle homeschooling, work, and home life all from home. And you did not know that you would be in your pajama for days on end while working or attending the University of Phoenix. Many of you have also faced unexpected illness, the death of a loved one, loss of work, heightened anxiety and fear, challenges to your emotional and mental well-being, relationships that floundered unexpectedly, and perhaps some that flourished just as unexpectedly. As Proverbs 27 also agrees, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring. You can find similar proverbs about the uncertainty of life and the foolishness of thinking that you have control over the future in every culture. The uncertainty of life is a universally understood truth. The second truth about life is that life is brief. James says, you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Some of you might recall Richard Needham's clever and rhyming seven stages of life. Spills, drills, thrills, bills, ills, pills, and wills. I think my kids are now somewhere between the drills of schoolwork and the thrills of their 20s that largely didn't happen this year. I'm somewhere between ills and pills and moving toward wills. Reminders of the brevity of life abound. My laptop screensaver is set to show random pictures from my photo collection over the last two decades. In one moment, I might see a picture of my kids when they were toddlers with spaghetti sauce in their hair. And then in the next instant, I might see a photo from their high school graduation. At every birthday celebration, parents and grandparents remark how quickly the year passed and how hard it is for them to believe that their child is another year older. I know that I have a hard time believing how, how much some of our church children have grown in this past year. Some just grew unbelievably taller, while others who were barely crawling in January are now running around, and some who couldn't say a word are now talking nonstop. It goes fast, almost as fast as one screensaver to the next. As I age, each year feels a little shorter and time feels like it's moving just a little more quickly. I commend all of you who are trying to maximize your days by eating better and exercising but even for those of you who might manage to live over a hundred years, life is still brief. Repeatedly in the scriptures, reminded of the truth of the brevity of life. Life is compared to a shadow, a breath, a few hand breaths as nothing, a sigh and smoke. These two stark truths about the uncertainty of life And the brevity of life are probably not things that you think about often, maybe only once a year during the New Year's Eve service, but they are essential truths. As John Blanchard says, the moment a man is born, he begins to die. And that death could come at any time by design, disease, disaster, or decay. Man is not here to stay. He is here to go. My intent tonight is not to depress you nor to discourage you, but to acknowledge the truth about life. This is especially important given that our culture does everything it can to deny death and tells us to do everything we can to defy aging with creams and lotions and dyes and to look as young as possible for as long as possible. It does this because the world is afraid of, of death, believing that death is the end. But death is not the end. This life is not all that there is. Our our fundamental faith claim is that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead and that all those who trust in him will also share in his eternal life. Life, the real life, eternal life, is far more than this brief time on earth. That is our assured hope. So the truth about the uncertainty and the brevity of life do not make us fearful. Rather, they form the foundation upon which we can live meaningful lives. There is, as James teaches us, both an attitude and an action that we can take based upon these truths. The attitude is one of humility. Rather than making presumptuous and self-important plans, James calls us to make plans in accordance with God's will. We ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. If the Lord wills. This is not some superstitious or pious formula to be tacked down to the end of our sentences like a good luck charm. Rather, these words point to a life fundamentally oriented toward God's will. It is a life that recognizes that God is in control, not me. Unlike the closing lines from the well-known poem Invictus, we do not claim, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. Rather, we take the posture that God is the Lord of my life. We take the position of submitting to God's will and finding hope that God is the master of my fate. God is the captain of my soul. We see this, for example, in the way that the Apostle Paul approached his ministry. Repeatedly, he made plans for his ministry and life, but always in accordance with God's will. Acts 18, I will return to you if God wills. 1 Corinthians 4, I will come to you soon, if the Lord wills. 1 Corinthians 16, I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord permits. We can and must make plans, certainly, but we do so humbly in accordance with God's will. We understand, as Proverbs 16 teaches us, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. This attitude of humility is then coupled with the actions of obedience. James says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. In other words, James is telling us to do the right thing. You don't have to know a lot of things to do the right thing. You can't know and do every right thing but you are responsible for responding to the truths that you have received. Failure to act rightly in light of the truth that has been revealed to you is sin. James says, instead, do the right thing. Now, for each of you in this coming year, the right thing might be different, and perhaps it might even look contradictory from what is right for others. For some of you, the right thing to do will be to step up and take on more responsibilities. While for others of you, it might mean slowing down and perhaps just getting more sleep. For some of you, the right thing in the new year may mean getting more involved in ministry at church to fulfill your vows of baptism and membership. Maybe it means joining an FG or attending the Wednesday night prayer meetings, or maybe just turning on your video feed during Zoom services so that you can be seen. For others of you, it might mean getting more involved with the unremarkable everyday routines of your children or of your spouse to fulfill your other and earlier vows to your family. For some of you, it might mean that you start sharing your struggles more with others and opening up, while for others of you, (coughs) it may mean sharing less and listening more. Do the right thing. Do the right thing. Most of the time, it's not complicated. And if you get stuck, remember that the right thing to do that we can all agree upon as that, is that we are to love God and love one another. If you need a new year's resolution, you can start here. In light of the truth that has been revealed to you, in humility, do the next one right thing. Let's pray together. Lord, we acknowledge the twin truths that life is uncertain and life is brief. But we do not fear. We do not give in to despair. Instead, we are thankful for the life that we have. And we ask that you help us to live in humility before you and to do the right thing in this new year. Help us to have deeper convictions about what is right in light of your word, and empower us to do the next right thing. We ask in the name of Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray. Our Father. Who are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors.